Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome, and thank you so much for coming. Uh, I'm Lou Solomon with Interact Studio, of course, and this is a really, really special edition of Human Touch. Not only is it the last edition of the year of 2021, but it's the edition when we showcase our third annual Community Voice winner, Tony Misia. And we're so excited for you to hear all about him. You will in just a moment. Tony's the founder and publisher of the Charlotte Ledger, and he has a, a very unique reason for our having received the nomination and uh, given him this award. Plus, we're, we're just so happy that we have Matt and Tim here, Matt Olin and Tim Miner, to be our guest hosts and do the interview with Tony. They are certainly a part of the Interact family, but as you know, they are executive directors and co-hosts of Charlotte is Creative. So we want to jump right into it and use every second that we have with Tony. So, Tim? Thanks, Lou. Uh, oh, good. Uh, I just got a message that my battery is running low. Um, I'll tell you what, Matt, what, can you just talk for one moment about what Charlotte is Creative is? And I'm going to sort out this yeah. technical problem. That's right, you get on that. So Tim and I are the co-founders of Charlotte is Creative and we're, we're really here to help support and advocate for and connect the creative community in Charlotte, you know, to make sure the conditions are right here whereby creatives of all kinds of all disciplines of all crafts can realize sustainable, fulfilling businesses and careers here in Charlotte. And we really subscribe to a wide, uh, a broad definition of creativity we include journalism, writing, you know, you name it. It all is creative, supremely creative work to us. And that's why the work that Tony's doing uh, on the journalistic landscape here in Charlotte is in our minds, creative work, incredibly creative work. And so um, it's, it's quite an honor for us to be able to uh, interview Tony uh, in light of this, uh, of this award, uh, kind of through that lens of creativity. Uh, Tony, would you agree, is, is this a, a creative field for you? From, from your uh, standpoint? I think so, you know, and, and, you know, thanks for having me today and, and, and thank you, Lou and, and Interact and, and um, you know, Tim and, and Matt, appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a creative field. I mean, you're making choices, you're, you're doing things uh, differently. I mean, there's, there are things that are very technical about it, but then there's, you know, using your mind and, you, you know, uh, making choices and, and trying to make things interesting. Uh, I mean, that, those are all, I think, creative endeavors. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. Tim, how's your uh, how's your your battery situation? I'm I'm good. So you know, my computer was like a child. Just when I needed it to perform, it, it wanted to throw a little <laughs> bit of a tantrum. Um, well, it, it's a great honor, and uh, I think as Matt said, to to introduce and then and have a conversation with Tony about the media landscape and how he's disrupted it. Um, and you know, just a measure, I think Tony, one of the, his central qualities as I've gotten to know him is a lot of humility. Um, and you know, that, that answer, is it creative? And it's like, yeah, I think it's creative. What they do at Charlotte Ledger is supremely creative. They have elevated the quality of, of writing and journalism that is available in Charlotte considerably. Uh, and that humility extends to, uh, Tony's bio. So uh, you know, to prepare for this, I looked, I'm going to read verbatim, and I hate reading verbatim uh, bios, but this is Tony's bio from his own website. The Charlotte Ledger was founded by Tony Messia, an award-winning former uh, Charlotte Observer business writer and editor. He lives in Cotswold with his wife and three children. 
Period. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Look, on, on and on, right? Let's just yeah. write you want to keep it punchy. Let's and you don't want to bore people. So that's what's kind of what we're about. So but this why not is to see that on my own bio. But this is what I have loved about um getting to know and and dare say of, of the friendship that um that I've formed and the regard that I have, and I know Matt has for Tony um over the last few years is that he is a man who reveals himself through his work, through his integrity. He says what he's going to do. He does what he, he he does those things. He is no nonsense. He is trustworthy. And if he says something, you can believe it. Um, I asked to have coffee with with uh, with you, Tony, probably about two years ago. Which now we're talking about COVID times. So that's like nine nine years ago. We had coffee at a Panera, and I wanted to get to know the man that had the chutzpah to start to ledger. Um, who in a very crowded media marketplace thought he had a voice and had a vehicle and wanted to create a vehicle that presented information differently and that championed the dying art in my mind of long form copy. Uh, we've all seen incredible changes in journalism uh, over the last few years and Tony and now Christina with him and all of the writers that they have recruited dare to swim upstream in a marketplace that says that attention spans can't handle it and that people don't want to dive deeply into stories, the ledger presents the facts um, as they are, but in a way that treats its readers as adults. Um, so he is, um, uh, in many ways, you probably have never heard me say this, a mentor to us in the work we do. Um, he is an inspiration, he, he makes us push harder and he is our friend. So Tony, now that I've thoroughly embarrassed you because I've tripled the amount of words you said in your own bio let's ask you some questions <laughs> yes and i'm gonna start if you don't mind um so tony let's let's go to the origin story uh what led you to want to be a reporter why is why was journalism uh, the path for you i'll try and keep there's a lot i could say i'll try and keep my answer brief <laughs> if I go on and on, feel free to interrupt me. But no, my, my background's in journalism. Uh, I've been here in Charlotte for more than 20 years. I was with The Observer for 10 or 12 years, left in 2009, did some freelancing for a while, uh, worked for a national magazine. Started looking around, you know, in the beginning of 2019, I said, well, okay, I'll go back to freelancing. I could do something else. But I started looking around locally here in Charlotte. And I said, you know, the environment for local media has gotten really weak. A lot of the traditional media had been slimming down. A lot of it was, you know, focused on um, you know, food and, and bars. I love going to restaurants. I love going to breweries. There's a lot of that kind of coverage. Um, and, and it just seemed like the sort of the things that people really wanted to know, like you, it used to be you would read about them in the paper. You'd be like, wow. And now it's like, well, you just hear things from friends. Like, oh, did you know what's being built over there? What's going on? And so I said, look, there's an opportunity. My background's in business journalism, by the way. And so I thought, well, maybe I could start something up that's sort of oriented towards this community that I know exists, that there's a hunger for, you know, information about growth and development and you know, retail and all the other, you know, banking, all kinds of things, but do it in a way that's interesting, right? A lot of times you say business journalism and people's eyes kind of start glazing over and they say, oh yeah, okay. You know, it's not, not exactly the guy you want to talk to at the cocktail party necessarily. The guy says he's really enthusiastic about Newcore's third quarter earnings or something. Um, but let's, I'm like, let's do it in a way that's interesting and relevant to people. That was sort of the idea, this is in 2019. And then I said, well, I'm noticing this trend toward uh, newsletters, you know, that, um, that that's sort of becoming a newer, it's sort of funny because email has been around for a long time, but this is a vehicle for kind of getting information out to people. Um, in a way that, you know, they're not 
kneecapping you on, on Facebook through algorithms or who gets what, you have a direct connection to readers who have opted in, who have given you their email address and given you permission to be in their inbox. So I said, well, maybe I can kind of combine all these things, do something that's interesting, do, th do something that's important uh, for Charlotte, um, give people information that they need to know and that is interesting um, and give it a go. And so that's what I did. Beautiful. Well, I, I love that. I love that you're sort of like, you know, following the trends, but you're also just following your heart too. I mean, this, you're just sort of going, you know, going the path that you're feeling called to authentically. And to me, that is kind of part of the, 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 the you know, the, the cosmic tumblers that fall into place, right? That's part of it. You got to listen to what, where you want to go. Uh, so that's, that's an awesome answer. Love that. Tony, you know, during the course of your career, it's been, it's been very interesting times in traditional media. You know, and so you are, as you said, a business reporter, but how have you seen the business of, of journalism change over the course of your career? And, and, and again, you've, you've alluded to that in what you've been trying to do with the, the ledger, but from where you started as a cub reporter to where it is today, how, what, what's fundamentally shifted with how, how the news and how journalism come together? Yeah, I mean, it's really amazing to see, um, you know, and just trying to take a step back and try and get that perspective on how the news business has changed. But, you know, when I started in the late 90s, you know, it was pretty much, I don't want to say news, the newspaper had a monopoly, but it was pretty, it was a dominant force, right? We had the TV stations, you had the Observer, you had, you know, you had uh, Creative Loafing, you had The Leader, you had a number of, you know, uh, publications where people get information. Nowadays, it's like everybody has a megaphone, right? Everybody's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Everyone's got an opinion. And the sort of the thinking was, well, this is going to be great for democracy. Everybody can, everybody has a voice. And it turns out it's like, well, there's a, there are positives to it, but there are also some negatives to it too. As, as we know, you know, um, anybody spend any time on, you know, Twitter or dealing with trolls or anything like that. So, I mean, but the effect on the news business, I think has been, um, profound. I mean, obviously a lot of their advertising money, uh, you know, that used to go to support local journalism has been sort of siphoned off by you know, Facebook and Google. That's meant some huge changes, huge cutbacks. And so now I think we're really seeing a lot more kind of niche players and that the fact that the recognition that there are, that there's not just, you're not just serving a single audience, even if it's geographically bounded, say in Charlotte, but there are multiple communities within that larger audience. And, you know, you all see that you're, you're serving the creative community. Uh, you know, we're serving, you know, the, uh, you know, not only, I mean, business readers, people who, who want, who want that um, meteor kind of journalism. Uh, and, but then obviously there's a market for the other things that are, they're out there, um, you know, locally. So it's, it's really becoming rather than having sort of just a couple dominant player, that's really becoming much more fractured. Um, and so, I mean, on the one hand, we're sort of losing a lot of the um, sort of lingua franca of all of us knowing the same pieces of information, which is sort of sad. But on the other hand, there's a lot of opportunity to, to sort of develop some of these other communities of, of interest. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you, made me, you made me think about uh, I started we were, we were on different sides of things. So I started my career in public relations in the late 90s. And I remember going, going to a meeting with an observer ad rep at one point and this was in like 98 and him saying well now once this internet fad is over we're we're going to get back to business you know and just complete and and it is amazing i think one of the things uh and not to 
pontificate on this too much, but I will just say one of the reasons I love the the ledger is not only has how people uh, perceive information and how uh, publications fund themselves changed. It's also, it's a, you know, when, if something was printed in the paper before it was, it was widely regarded as truth, you know, that had been vetted. And I think now you have to be very careful of the source. And that's one thing that Ledger has done really well is you, you do your due diligence, you talk to multiple sources, you present that and we're able to take what you put in the Ledger a, much more seriously and much more as fact uh, than many other news sources, even sometimes credible news sources. So that I, yeah, I love. I mean, that. I mean, I think I think you're right. I mean, that's a that's just a huge, huge change. It's sort of old school. I mean, we're not trying to tell anybody what to think. We're just trying to give them information so they can kind of make up their own minds on things. But we want to do it in a way that's fair, um, you know, and and gives gives people you know a, a sense. That, hey, this is something credible. This is something that's true. Maybe you don't like these facts, or maybe you disagree with something somebody said. But hey, let's just put that out there, and we can agree to disagree, right? It's sort of the old, you know, old way of, of doing things, as opposed to a lot of times now. It's just you're on one side or you're on the other side of this, and it can get very, uh, very nasty sometimes. So we're we're just trying to trying to do it sort of the old old way in a little bit of a new vessel. Everything old is new again. Right. So, and there's a community right. for it too, right? There's interest in it. Like we wouldn't be doing it if there was that's no. That's right. So yeah, that's kind of that's encouraging. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Tony, I asked you a few minutes ago about your kind of origin story as a journalist, but I want to talk a little bit about the origin story uh, of Charlotte Ledger in more detail. And I think it'd be interesting to kind of see it through your entrepreneurial brain. Um, so you know, back in 2019, when when you decided to to launch it maybe elaborate a little bit more uh, on those gaps that you were hoping to fill, but also like, what were you, what were you hoping to accomplish in year one as not just a journalist, but as a, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's launching yeah. something in, in his city? Well, no, that's an important point. I mean, the business side of it is critically important. I mean, we can all do things that are interesting and personally fulfilling, but you have to have, you've got to figure out a way to make that sustainable. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, when I started in 2019, I mean, the, I guess the gap I was trying to fill was I, I just thought there was sort of as we've discussed, sort of a, a need for responsible, smart, well-informed information you know, from somebody who had lived in the city for a couple of decades, right? That wasn't just sort of parachuting in from somewhere, spend time in Charlotte for a couple of years and get out. So I mean, I, I felt like that's sort of, you know, I don't know if it's secret sauce, but it's like you've, if you've been around enough, you know what people find important, you know, where to find pieces of information. So I thought that was something that I could, could, um, could add, especially with a business um, tint, although we've, we've kind of branched into a bunch of different areas now. But the original thinking was it was just sort of, um, it, it was going to just try something different. We're going to use this new newsletter platform called Substack. Um, and we're just going to see if people are interested in this. That, that was sort of the way I started completely free newsletter. Um, didn't charge anybody anything, didn't sell any ads. It was just sort of, let's see if there's an audience and let's mm -hmm. sort of market test this. Let's just prove, prove that there's an audience. It was, and it was just me at the time. So I was writing a newsletter three mornings a week just on various topics. We sort of round up what other people were doing and do a little bit of reporting, something original, slap that together three mornings a week. There you go. And my thinking, my original thinking was, well, gosh, if I could get it to like 10,000 people, then if I could, you know, then create a paid version. And I knew that about 10%, the industry average is about 10% of the people maybe will pay. I'm like, okay, then I can get a thousand people paying 
at $99 a year. You know, I, I had no idea how quickly that could happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't have really any background in that, but the, my thinking was, let's just build this and see if it works. And, and it did take off. I mean, it just, you look at the growth of the number of people signed up for the newsletter, it increased, increased, increased. It got to the point by the end of the year, I was nowhere near 10,000. I was at 2,000, 3,000. Um, I said, okay, look, I can't just do this for free forever. So let's create a different business model where there's a premium edition, you know, that's for paying subscribers. We'll start selling a few sponsorships and see how that goes. And it was again, a bit of a leap of faith. Is anybody, okay, people will read this for free. Would they pay to read it? Like that was a, a kind of an open question. I thought the answer would be yes, but I didn't know how many. So we turned on paid subscriptions. <laughs> it was about March 1st of 2020. It was like two weeks before um, mm -hmm. timing was pretty fortuitous. And people started paying and, sign and saying, listen, we want more of this. Um, we like what you're doing. We want to support you. And there are a number of reasons people subscribe. There, a lot of them just, they want the content. And other people are like, we love what you're doing. Just keep it up, you know? So somewhere mm -hmm. on that spectrum between 100% charity and like 100% just give me what I'm paying for. Um, and there are people located obviously on various spots on that spectrum. So that was sort of the idea. Um, you know, we've made, we've modified it for a while. I brought in a very talented managing editor, Christina Bowling from the Charlotte, she'd been at Charlotte Observer for 20 years, longtime friend and colleague of mine. Um, she's been great. And so the fun part now is we're sort of building a, a team um, and trying to spread that out a little bit and doing, you know, collaborations like the things that, that we all have done. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, Matt, I'm going to call an audible. I think your next question actually is a really logical way to go with this conversation. Great. Yeah. Well, then let's talk about um, kind of what I, where I wanted to go next, which was about uh, building and keeping an audience. I mean, what have you learned about building and keeping an audience? Uh, you know, uh, because clearly the audience is there and, and those metrics are growing, um, but you must be learning along the way. So we'd love to hear, you know, your insights on, on all of that. Yeah. Um, it's been really interesting because as you know, my background is in journalism. So we just write articles, talk to people, write up pieces, put them in. Now it's like there's this whole business side of like the audience development side, the marketing side, the business strategy side that I have absolutely no background in. I don't want to say I'm completely winging it because I do have, I do talk to a lot of people who actually know what they're doing or say they know what they're doing. They've been very helpful. <laughs> but yeah, audience <laughs> development is, is a big, is a big part of that. And how do you keep that growing? I mean, I think a lot of it is just one of the things you hear a lot is it's just having an, an authenticity I think too. Mm -hmm. I think people like that a lot. I tr we try to make it not too personality driven. I don't. You know, we didn't name it like Tony's newsletter or Tony's takes, Tony's hot takes today or something like that. Suppose we could have done that. I don't like. I'm not really comfortable playing that role. And I don't think most people, frankly, really care. Um, but I do understand that that you know having that authenticity and having that voice, I think, is important. Um, and you know, we, we've done a number of things to try to grow that audience. Just a lot of it's just experimenting. You know, when you're small, you can, um, sorry, I just see a note. I would hundred percent read Tony's hot takes. Somebody uh, appreciate that DC. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are a number of things and well, the virtue is, you know, we're, we're small. And so we can, we can try some stuff and if it doesn't work, we go a different direction. I mean, we've yep. tried all kinds of things. Um, I mean, part of it, you know, we work with other people, you know, collaborating with people we've done you know facebook ads we've done you know special offers we've done there are all kinds of different 
I don't want to call them tricks up our sleeve, but there are all sorts of different things you can try to try to reach um, new people. But you know, frankly, word of mouth is the best. Just if someone recommends us to to their friend, I mean, I think that's that's extremely valuable. Just having somebody say, "Hey, you should check these guys out. They're doing some good work." Hey, you might. Hey, you live in uh, Ballantyne? Oh, here's an article they did on Ballantyne. You might enjoy this. Check it out. I mean, just having like word of mouth, frankly, is is um, is a very powerful one. So. There are all kinds of things that we do uh, and we'll keep trying some stuff. That's awesome. And I'm sure you've had some moments too, where like, I know we've experienced with the biscuit, someone that we really respect will just say something to us like, man, I really love that article. And, and it's just like, Oh my God, they read, they read, they read, they, they're following it. It's like, <laughs> somebody's like, reading. It kind of blows you away. And not only that, but it's someone that you respect that, you know, is a stakeholder in another, in their own right. I'm, I imagine you've probably had, a few of those moments. It, it is kind of cool. As well. You know, like we see, I get, a, I get an email every time someone signs up to pay. And so you can see like all we really have on our readers and customers is really is their email addresses. Now, a lot yeah. of times you can figure that out. But if, if the name of someone who is like a huge former like CEO of a bank comes right. across, you're like, right. okay, I think that's pretty good. Or <laughs> you know, elected officials or business leaders. I mean, they're, I mean, it is, it is kind of neat. I mean, on the one hand, it's like, listen, we're trying to be like, we're speaking to the people. We don't work for the, you know, you know, the right. top dogs and the power brokers, right? But at the same time, when those power brokers subscribe to you, it's like, uh, okay, I guess it we're doing something. something right. Yeah, it's doing something right. Doing something right. So we, it, those are those are nice moments. But we like hearing from from all kinds of people too. We get a lot yeah. of nice notes. One of the really cool things about it, guys, is that you know. We've gotten the opportunity to work with a lot of really talented people in the city and meet a lot of really talented people um, in this city. And that's kind of why we do it. It's fun. It, you know, you get to choose who you work with. Um, there are all kinds of things that, that we get to do um, that, that really sort of keep us going just by meeting new people, learning new things. Uh, it's, it's, that's really the cool part about it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a little dismayed to see that we only have five minutes left and we have so many other questions we were going to ask, but, but one, uh, one thing I want, you brought up Tony a moment ago, one thing I really prize about you and Christina and, and the ledger is your willingness to collaborate. And, you know, that flies in the face of what has traditionally been a very competitive, let me get that, you know, let me get that, that, uh, that lead, that story, that tip before anybody else. Um, and you've leaned hard into working with, you know, doing flyover Fridays and working with Clayton at CLT development, doing things with us. Talk a little bit about what you've, how collaboration has helped you build a ledger and what role you see it having in the future of, of disruptive journalism like you're doing. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing is we just enjoy it. I mean, there are a few different points. We enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. I mean, like I said, you get to meet new people, try new things for, figure out different ways of presenting information. That's kind of the, you know, the, the, the personal side of it. The editorial side of it is we just want to be a place that's known as having really good information. And so whether I write an article personally or whether Kevin Young with the five and two project does a video or whether we're working with Charlotte is creative on, you know, a, a photo series during COVID, um, you know, whatever it is, it, it's no skin off our back to kind of share that content because you know, we have a, you know, we have a small audience growing, obviously, you know, but everybody's got their own audiences, right? And so if we kind of just 
I don't think people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I saw this this photo from COVID. I saw that on the biscuit. Why is the ledger sending out to me a day later? I don't think people, first of all, really object to that. I, I just we want it to be known as having good stuff. And so if we can work with people on developing, you know, good stuff, we're gonna we're just gonna do it. And it, I think that is a new way or a different way of thinking of it. It's sort of I think it's acknowledging reality that we're not the only player. Yeah, we love to break news. We like to be first. And we love, you know, all these things that are sort of journalistic pride, basically. But it is, but this, I don't really think it's any skin off our back to just work with really talented people who are doing really cool things in our city. I think it's good. I think it's good for Charlotte. Well, we obviously agree. And that's one of the things that we admire so much about you and Christina. And I think in the same way that people say Matt and Tim, I'm so thrilled you have the the award, you know, uh, but but I know Christina is just a huge part of everything that you've done as oh, well. Absolutely. I mean, she's she's great. I mean, she's just super nice, super easy to work with, extremely talented journalist. I, mean, I could go on and on and on and on. I mean, she's great to work with. And I appreciate All right. So it's two minutes that. left. We've got Tony's hot takes now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you've you've. You've got multiple. Off, announce, we're, we're spinning off a separate newsletter, the Tony's Hot Takes newsletter. Just little, <laughs> I, listen, little single sentence things as I, as they cross my mind. The market has spoken. All right, yeah. this is this is that this is that uh inter, that uh, Instagram hook you and I have been talking about all this right. time. That's how go. you do it. Yes. Okay. But uh, so what? What? Oh, uh, on, sorry. How about this? Tony's and Tim's hot takes. There we go. <laughs> sorry, Matt. If your name started with T, we'd we'd listen. Clean. I choose alliteration over no, no. loyalty okay. any day. Okay. We'll call it, no, it's Tony, Olin, and Tim. So it's, and we'll call it Hot Tots. Hot Ooh, Tots. There we go. Ooh, hot Tot Takes. Tots. Now, all right, the, the serious thing is what, uh, what opportunities or what cool things can we look forward to from the ledger in, in 2022? Yeah, a number of things. Um, yeah, I don't fully know. <laughs> we haven't had, a, I've been meaning to get up with Christina and we can talk about it. But no, I, I can tell you, we have some really interesting things coming. We've got a, our first uh, in-person 40 over 40 event. It's going to be in-person at the end of April. We're going to have, we got some really, it's going to be an 80s theme. We're going to invite the past winners from previous years and we're going to honor them all. Um, so that's going to be fun. Will David Hasselhoff be there? We will see about that. We've been reusing that cameo now for the last three years. It's pretty solid cameo. Which is another reason I love you that you paid once and used the, the Hoff three times. That's fantastic. He's got enough money. We don't need to pay him 500 bucks yeah, every single year. We're yeah, yeah we're sensible. Um, so we're going to do a few more events. We're going to get into events a little bit. We think there's an opportunity, I think, doing doing some smaller scale events as well. Um, yeah, but we don't want to really lose our focus either of, of trying to deliver just smart essential information in the newsletter. So um, it's always sort of a, a, a balancing act to have a sort of keep trying to innovate and trying new things while not losing your focus on, on uh, sort of how you got there. So we got Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, Tony, um, I can't wait to see what the next year uh, has in store for you, for the ledger and for the city. Um, and uh, with that, it's 1130. So I'm going to toss it over to Lou. who's going to bestow you yes. with the award. Thank yes, you. yes. And Patrick, let's pull up that beautiful original piece of artwork. Isn't that gorgeous? Beautiful. Well, behind, behind the Interact uh, Community Voice Award is a spirit of a leader who stands for a more inclusive community in Charlotte and just makes us better. 
a voice that allows us to thrive as a community. And we are so deeply inspired by Tony and Ledger. This award is an original piece of artwork by a young, young man named Elijah Kell, who is a, a good friend of our own Susie Adams. And Susie's been involved in all three of our original pieces of art. And uh, this one is, is so special. Elijah is, is just a teenager. What he says about this particular, uh, and he's so brilliant. Uh, what he says about this particular piece of glass is that it has been shaped and layered from the shards of broken glass to come together as a whole. Tony has reimagined a fractured model of journalism to build something new. The color reflects Ledger's logo and the black lines represent lines of type that certainly Tony remembers like none of us. So we will have this delivered to you today, Tony, and from Interact Studio and also Charlotte is Creative, your nominator. We just thank you very, very deeply and wish you all the success. We have friends that I did forget to, to welcome who are live streaming on YouTube and surpassing our in the room Zoom attendees. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming as well as those of you in the Zoom room. We've had a fabulous 2021 because we've choice, chosen joy in the midst of a very difficult year while still paying deep homage, um, homage and experiencing the, the loss and the suffering that so many have. And certainly Tony is a bright spot in all of that. So thank you, Tony. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Charlotte Ledger. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I appreciate it. I'm deeply humbled and, and grateful that you're uh, recognizing our, our work and uh, I just really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, we will see you on the flip side of the new year. Thanks also, Matt and Tim. And we love you all. Thank you for coming. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Congrats, Tony. Thanks. Thank Best you. to you and Christina, Tony. Thank you yes. very much. Thanks, Christina. <laughs>